Growing and scaling a business is complex. It can be very scary and lonely trying to navigate it all. It comes down to the community of trusted people you surround yourself with. Let's dive in to the Business as People podcast. Hey, Joe, great to have you back today. As you can see, we're, we're still home shooting this and my daughter in front of me and behind me. So if you hear uh, some noise here, they should be a little quiet. Got these kids well-trained for these yeah, Zoom meetings. As someone who has a couple of myself, I totally get it. So you're off to a great start, believe me. All right, well, we'll jump into it. So what you do very well with your team and, and your agencies, you're really focusing on building high-performing organizations, right? And mm -hmm. a subset of that is understanding what do we need to do to create more resilient, cohesive teams. And I know that you work with me as well. So I also get some firsthand uh, opportunity to kind of see the magic that your organization does. So what are you hearing right now as things are starting to reopen up and people are struggling to find really good candidates? What, what type of things are you hearing? Yeah, I appreciate you kind of segueing into the hiring space because, you know, one of the challenges kind of structurally we're hearing is it's hard to get people to come back to work, right? And that's unfortunately something we have less control over, right? So when we do engage with candidates and we think about the importance of the hiring decision, historically, people are measured against the work they're going to be asked to do, right? And as you know, we do a lot of work with our clients around getting the right people in the right seats on the bus, so to speak. And so the job itself should absolutely be a consideration. Oftentimes we find there are a couple other things our clients are saying, what should we consider when we make a hiring decision? And we think there are three other key components that can't be overlooked. The first is the manager, right? Really understanding how these people are gonna interact, how they each receive information, you know, how they problem solve, collaborate, communicate, because the manager-employee relationship, I would argue, is even more important than the fit of the job itself. And when we look at exit interviews and we talk to people about, you know, what made your experience awesome or what made your experience not so great, the manager almost always comes up, right? So really making sure we consider, hey, how strong of a fit are these two people? It doesn't mean they have to be exactly the same or that they have to be polar opposites, right? It's how do we create that strong, cohesive bond between the person we're going to hire, right? And the manager out of the gate. So the manager is one. Two is the team itself, right? How is the team that you're going to bring this person on to currently constructed, right? What's their DNA? What, what makes them tick? You know, where do they get their energy from? And really understanding how this person is going to fit within the context of that existing team, which leads into the last component, which is culture. You know, oftentimes we talk about our cultural norms, we celebrate our cultural norms, but we don't consider them when making a hiring decision. And I would argue that even if you have someone who you think is a rock star, that is gonna be a great fit for the role, gonna get along great with their manager and, you know, should make sense as a piece to the team's puzzle, if at any point you get the sense that that person is going to be a net negative to your culture, I would never hire them. The culture is so important. I'll give you an actual example of this. So we made a hiring decision about four months ago. It's a really big one for our organization. We're hiring someone to do a lot of implementation work for our clients. And we knew this was a high precision role. We needed someone who is really built to work with a lot of detail, accuracy, and precision. But we had to make sure that culturally, 
this person would really be able to ebb and flow with our team because our company is uh, and our team is in a very imperfect space because we're navigating like science and people and emotion and achievement, right? We're trying to really help our clients in this very messy people space. And so I asked an interview question to the candidate. I said, I know you're going to be working in a role where there's a lot of precision, but there's also going to be a lot of imperfection in this role. And that's more about our culture and the way we do things, right? We know sometimes we get there in a little bit of a messy way, and it's what's worked for us over the years. And I said, tell me how you're going to respond in certain situations where it's not the degree of perfection you would like it, or we're going to ask you to step outside your comfort zone. And the person we hired, her answer made me so much more comfortable making that hiring decision because she was recognizing that in our culture, she would have to be more tolerant of that. And she gave really great insights on how she would manage herself through it and what she would need from us to feel good about managing through those imperfect times. And I thought that was a great example of, had she answered that a different way, we probably wouldn't have moved forward with that hire because we knew, right, or we were being told, hey, this person just wasn't going to be able to make those meaningful adjustments. And even if she did her job to perfection to a T, it would have been a net negative on our culture and it would have been a hiring mistake. So just, you know, again, to summarize, job, manager, team, culture, all four of those things need to be considered when making a hiring decision. If someone really wanted a candidate, which I don't know if you ever had to help prioritize those four, is it all or nothing, Joe, or is it like, you know what, if you can get these two or these three, be aware, but you know, we're willing to forego this. How does that work out? You know, it's interesting. I think about this a lot because I have sort of that math driven brain where I say, what percentage should we allocate to these things? Right. So I'm going to go on observation and instinct here. And I'm going to tell you the one that almost always blows up first is culture. Because it just becomes so apparent that this person, when it is a good cultural fit, it just feels so seamless. So you're more tolerant of, like, maybe if there are a couple gaps in the job, we can work with it. Maybe if there are a couple friction points with the manager or the team, right, we can work through those. But when that cultural fit isn't there, it blows up so fast and it's so expensive because what it tends to do calm as you know is it creates collateral damage in other areas of the organization that you just can't overcome and I know cultural fit is not the cleanest thing to have to measure we have to rely on our instincts and observations to do that but if I were to prioritize the four I would always go with the cultural fit if someone's a great cultural fit but they're not going to be a good fit for the job itself that's my second checkpoint. It's just, it's so hard to get people to do work that makes them uncomfortable and we can't ignore that. But I, I want both. I want a really great fit for the role and the team and the manager, but I, I am not sacrificing that cultural fit. And it's worth waiting an extra month or two to get a person who is a good cultural fit because they'll benefit the organization more long-term. They'll create so much positive energy in the organization. It can't be overstated. I agree a hundred percent, almost similar to attitude. You're higher for attitude. You know, I think that's something you can't train. You know, also like you can't train if someone has that organic natural fit with your culture, because we've had folks in the past where 
just unbelievable great candidates, super smart, super intelligent, but they definitely were complete opposite of our culture. And I told my team, hey, we need this skill set. And they were with us for a good amount of time. And, and then eventually I started to hear from other team members, like they just weren't jiving right with him. And we had to have a conversation. And then unfortunately we parted ways, but I think the team performance could have been not sacrificed, right? Where you have the right cultural fit and then everyone's driving and it's happy. So it, it was a great learning lesson for me. And I think a lot of other owners and HR people could probably have a story similar to that. So I want to follow up on, on this question, Joe. So if someone is a really good cultural fit and we're seeing an evolution or the clarity of this happening now with folks working from home, and you have managers and leaders who are great in a in-person environment, you put them into this virtual environment, and now all of a sudden, this is not their comfort zone. It, how are you kind of helping your clients to say, hey, you know, you guys are in a different type of culture, which is remote right now. What should they kind of look for to try to be proactive to say, let's get a pulse check with your team and see if this is a good fit for them because we want to get ahead of this now before it deteriorates the culture because maybe that person doesn't perform well or manage well or excel well in this environment? So it's a loaded question. It's a right path to go down. So if I go back to the manager, right, themselves, because not every manager is the same, right? You and I know we've had many conversations about what does a great leader look like? And, you know, they come in all shapes and forms. You know, some leaders really lean into their people strengths. Some leaders really lean into their operational strengths, right? I think it's a great time to give yourself as the leader, right? Whether you're the CEO or you're a member of the leadership team or you're leading a business unit is to do a heat check and remind yourself, what are the strengths of each of my leaders? And then map that to the environment, right? Because what we want to do before we start making any course corrections is find the root cause. Maybe, for example, you're managing a team of engineers and you used to be able to kind of get away with like checking on the office culture when you were in the office. Well, now you're managing a remote group of engineers. Maybe they don't like doing Zoom with the screen on, right? Maybe that makes them physically uncomfortable to have to have that like face-to-face, -face, but other people are looking at that and the organization going, why don't they like to do that, right? It could be that you're managing a group of customer service people and you know, you're more of a people-driven leader and you're not a big detail person. And now you've got to use tools like monday.com to manage projects, right? More frequently. And the reason to bring up those examples is it's easy for you and I to look at that and observe it as just a leader, right? And say, well, that's frustrating me. And therefore I'm going to do this to fix it. As opposed to taking a step back to say, I'm going to treat each leader different. And that I want to understand what comes natural to them and then where they need to stretch. And then I want to find the root cause of what I may be observing is less than optimal or that I'd like to see change. And then I'm going to go from there, right? Because now I can fix it from the foundation of I know what's driving it. If I know what's driving it, it's easier to get to the next step. And to answer the second part of your question, leadership skills are really being tested right now. And they're not being tested in a uniform way. They're being tested because the environment's new. They're being tested because there's still a tremendous amount of uncertainty 
as to what is the new normal look like in terms of, are we going to stay with this hybrid or even remote environment? Are we coming back to the brick and mortar? What's going to be expected of me when we do? You know, I think you have a lot of instability right now at that next tier down below the leadership team, right? Which is how do my managers, supervisors, leaders start to really tackle this new day-to-day? So I think, again, to summarize, go back and evaluate strengths and opportunities, attack root causes in a productive way, and then build leadership skills from there. But don't do it until you've really investigated what some of those root causes are. Can't overstate that. So if there's like a because I know you deal with a lot of like the C-suite level and then the upper executive level, Joe, but I'm sure there is collaboration and there has to be cohesive between all levels all the way down to the workers. If someone like in middle management or supervisor role says, I'm seeing this, how do I approach my executive team? What should they say? What would you advise someone who's listening and they're like, okay, this is resonating with me and we need to take action because I'm seeing low productivity with the people I manage, I'm a supervisor. What should a supervisor say to really get the leadership team to take action? So I think there's three levels to look at this at. One is what are you noticing beneath you, right? When you look at the folks you're managing, really pinpoint exactly what it is you're observing and have some data to back it up, right? To say whether it's sales performance or whether it's net promoter scores from your customer service team or you know, if you're a marketing leader, right, trends that we're not capturing, but bring data to the conversation, I think is so critical, right? Because, you know, people respond much better to, I don't know, what could be viewed as a complaint or maybe someone highlighting a negative, right? When you have data to back it up. Two would be to look at your own optimal leadership style and your delivery style and say, what comes natural to me as an influencer? How should I deliver this data, right? If you're a person who's more of a persuader by nature, don't try to deliver it in a way that doesn't come off as natural because people will see right through that, right? And then lastly, and this is so important and something I've been noticing more is when, you know, middle management is trying to go to senior management and say, hey, I think we have a problem, right? The Houston, we have a problem call. The step that they're skipping and why they're not getting as much buy-in is one, they're not bringing the data, right? So you got to bring the data, but two, paint a picture of success. Don't just talk about the problem. Come with, and here's what I think the solution could look like. Because even if your compass isn't necessarily 100% right, you need to show what part of the solution could look like to show that you're forward thinking, right? You're someone who is thinking about future success. You're someone who is a not just an identifier of problems, but someone who is going to invest themselves in the solution. And if you do that, and if you can paint a picture of what success looks like, you're also taking some of the heavy lift out for senior leadership. So they're not looking at this as, oh my God, now I got to do all this work. Wow, Joe, calm. They're going to bring me what that solution could look like. And they're going to help take some of that lift off because we have so much else going on. And so I think if you do it from those three lenses, data, my delivery style, and then talk about what success looks like, I think you're going to get more traction with senior leadership when you identify something that could be fixed. That's fantastic. Actually making me think, am I encountering these conversations with folks? That was great some insight there, Joe. Even myself as a leader, I'm always looking at tools and softwares and resources and tips and you know, some people may call them hacks, right? 
Are you seeing any particular tools or software for managing a high performance team and to still keep a pulse? Like what type of tools out there have you seen that are working? So as you know, you know, our clients use predictive index, right? Which really gives great insight into leadership DNA is a good example, right? Like what comes natural to me as a leader? Where do I need to stretch? PI also brings some great tools called team discovery or dream teams. In fact, PI's Optima conference is going to be this Wednesday. Patrick Lencioni is going to be a keynote speaker among some other real rock stars that are going to be talking about how they've applied team building tools in their organizations and the impact that it's created. I really go back to the 360 component. And here's where I would go back to 360. 360 feedback does a couple things. One, it gives people insight into their blind spots, you know, their opportunities. Two, 360 can be applied not just at the individual level, but as a group level. And where that's really important, in fact, later today, I'm going to be delivering to one of my clients insights from, we did a 360 feedback for 14 of their leaders, but then we aggregate the results. And so we use a tool called Spider Gap, which we really, really like. It, it just de delivers a very elegant view of where those gaps are. And when you start to see them at an organizational level, it really makes the leadership team think, right? Because it's data, right? It's not just observation. And so for leadership teams that want to understand really what do people perceive about them internally, it might start to give them insights into as they look at their marketing, their brand position, right? The outside world looking into that organization. If our own people perceive us this way, well, how does the outside world perceive us, right? And I know that, you know, organizations do net promoter score. They do branding surveys. They try to capture customer service data, but Start internally, because if you're a leadership team, your most important customers are your people, right? And if you take care of your people, they'll take care of your customers, right? I think that can't be overstated. So that 360 concept, whether it's individual for the team, I think is a really big opportunity for leadership teams to look at. I feel like you attend some of my meetings internally with my team. I talk about when you take care of your people and... and you got to focus internal first. You're spot on. We work with a lot of HR departments because that branding and the really the core essence of understanding the business has to come from within because mm -hmm. then everything will organically go exponentially out outward once the internal core, the team, the people, the leadership, the workers, you know, you have brand advocates and then it shows naturally in conversations, interactions with your clients and prospects out there. So spot on all that stuff, Joe. So I'll give you a great example. We do a lot of work with sales development and people always say, what does it take to be a great sales leader? Right. And the best sales leaders I've ever seen, when you ask them who their clients are, they rattle off the names of their sales team because they know that if they support their sales team, their clients are going to be so well taken care of. And it really, really, really resonates with me quite a bit. And so, yeah. I think we're definitely on the same page about all that. It's awesome. Last question here, Joe, I appreciate your time today is what has been one tool that you've used that's been being virtual, but now you feel it has been just something you'll keep forever. What's L one quick L advice L or tool? That OM Loom. And I'm going to go back to the, the great Com Interath who forced my hands many months ago, actually it was almost a couple of years ago now 
So I give you all the credit in the world for that, my man. I, really being able to talk to people in a different way, be thoughtful, right? For those who aren't familiar, you know, Loom video is a great way to provide a personalized audio visual experience for your clients internally or externally to communicate your thoughts to them, share with them, you know, what you heard that they needed, talk about what the future success looks like together. It takes what, two minutes to put together a Loom video. You drop a link in an email. Time and time again, people like, that's so cool. Thank you. Thoughtful, differentiated. Like those are the words that our clients associate with that technology. I will never give it up. I will never stop using it. I feel like an idiot because it took me so long <laughs> to start doing it. And it has not only transformed the way that I work with my clients, but the way I work with my team, the way I work with other folks that have been big advocates for my success. And I can't overstate the value of that kind of technology. Yeah. And just think about it. It took almost two years. Imagine the, the customer success, the branding, you know, affinity you would have built, the, the conversion sales if you adapted it sooner. Oh, 100%. I can tell you, you know, if I just look at my pipeline going back like three, four years, I probably could have captured a couple more relationships a year, you know, clients that would have been fantastic and fun to work with, but they were just missing that. Like, are we really sure Joe is our guy? Are we really sure Cornerstone is different? Right. And, you know, shame on me for not giving them the opportunity to realize that like that's on me, right? It's not on them for not recognizing it. It's on me for not providing them another avenue to recognize that we can deliver for them, right? That's my responsibility. You know, people talk about, oh, that prospect just doesn't get me. I'm like, no, bullshit. That prospect, you know what? That prospect doesn't get you because you didn't give them the opportunity to get you. Apologies for the language if you have to edit that out, but uh, it, it's, Not I'm, at all. Passionate, this is... I'm passionate about this. And, you know, I listen to Gary V all the time talk about your brand, differentiate, differentiate to me. Anyone who's not listening to Gary Vaynerchuk is missing the boat completely. And he talks about all the time. He's like, what are you going to do to interact differently? He's, he's big on NFTs, right? You know, these non-fungible tokens and the future of digital assets. And people go on his podcast all the time be like, but Gary, I'm doing this. I'm killing myself. I'm working a million miles an hour. He just puts him on the spot and says, tell me what you're doing to talk differently to your customers. How are you reaching that? How are you communicating that? And when you think about like sales and your company and your culture, like how are you talking differently to your own people, right? How are you differentiating that experience? Because that's what's going to spill out into the marketplace and you know, people can touch your brand in a very different way. I love it. I love how um, seeing the transformation and we, we were friends and just seeing this, I would not have had this response from you, Joe, a year or two ago, right? So that nope. one little tool called Loom transformed and opened your whole perspective wide. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we're always trying to do here. What we do here at InThink, we're always trying to find ways like how do we level up our clients and make their customer experience better? It's our duty just like yourself is always to be that thought leadership. And we're like trying to find tools and tactics and strategies that help them work. So I'm so glad that it's, you've been using it 
My clients are using it now too, which is the, that's like a win for me, right? I look at turn around and go, wow, like they're using it, right? It's so cool to see that happen. Yeah, I actually just did like two different demos last week. Someone's like, can you show me how to use this? So I actually, I used Loom and I had Loom record itself. So I was like screen sharing, like here's how to use it. And because right at the end of it, you can do a call to action. You can actually put like a link to your calendar. It's so powerful to have that call to action function on the end. So you can say, hey, if you want to learn a little bit more about this, like just book 20 minutes with me right at the end of this video is, is a, a, a button to book right now. So oh, like that's seamless, seamless. Yep. Can't possibly leave out is Calendly has totally also changed our game. And we've gotten so much great feedback, just giving people like, think about the digital marketplace, right? They can get to you so much more quickly and they appreciate it because they're like, oh, Joe has divided his time, which is his most valuable, precious asset into units that he's making publicly available, right? With some good guidelines around, right? You have to communicate to people when it's appropriate to book time on your calendar. And my clients, they've been so respectful of it. And I can't recall having a time where they put time on the calendar where it wasn't productive, right? You have to outline that, but they're so appreciative of that avenue to just being able to get that 30 minutes on your calendar. And when it comes to the sales cycle, it's shortening the sales cycle because you're getting people to get on your calendar to talk about next steps when they're ready, instead of you constantly scheduling these meetings and then having them go, I'm just not, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. They're going when they're ready, right? It's another $10 a month for Calendly, $10 a month for Loom. For anyone who's not using those two technologies or technologies like it, let's go, right? Let's get the ball rolling. I mean, it's free in the beginning, yeah. so you can try it out no out like and Correct. I used Loom for a while on a free version. I, I think once I got over a hundred videos, I was like, oh, it's completely worth it. So no, thanks for your, your insight there, Joe. And it's also helpful when you're working with a client, right? And you're trying to book time. Let's say you, you're hired in, come in and work with the leadership team. You can use Loom to give them a recap that session. You can use Calendly to book the next meeting. So it's not just for outward use. It's a lot of value for internal use. Right? Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. Thanks for your time today, Joe. And looking forward to our next session when it comes to just leveling up teams for performance. Me too, Com. Thanks again for having me. If you have any questions and topics you'd like us to cover, please email me at podcast at or message me on LinkedIn.